Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. If I asked you to imagine what the typical sex doll owner might look like, odds are you're likely to picture a straight guy who owns a female doll with a very large chest. This makes sense in part because the sex doll industry largely caters to a heterosexual male audience. And if you don't believe me, go do a quick online search right now. However, straight men aren't the only ones who might be interested in sex dolls. They can potentially hold appeal to persons of any gender or sexual orientation. In fact, there are a growing number of straight women who are buying male sex dolls. So let's talk about the lesser-known side of sex dolls. Today, we're going to discuss the history of sex dolls made for women, why women buy these dolls in the first place, and, spoiler alert, they're not just for sexual gratification. We're also going to discuss the general stigma against sex dolls and so much more. I am joined once again by Hallie Lieberman, a sex historian and journalist whose work has been covered all over in the media. She is author of the book Buzz, a stimulating history of the sex toy, which we discussed way back in episode 21. She's currently working on a new book covering the history of gigolos. This conversation is going to be fascinating. Stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. The future of sex tech is here. The Handy, made by Sweet Tech, is an automatic stroker designed for self-pleasure. It's a one-size-fits-all device that can be coupled with your masturbation sleeve of choice. Sweet Tech has a wide variety of sleeves to choose from, designed to mimic realistic sensations of different partnered activities. The Handy offers precise speed and stroke control, which includes the exact stroke length. It can be remote-controlled, and you can even sync it up with video to mimic what's happening on screen. So what you see is what you feel. To get your hands on The Handy, find the link in the show notes or visit thehandy.com. That's thehandy.com. If you love the science of sex as much as I do, consider becoming a friend of the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. The Kinsey Institute is the world's premier research organization on sex and relationships, and you can help them continue the legacy of Dr. Alfred Kinsey, whose pioneering research changed everything we think we know about sex. Visit KinseyInstitute.org to make an impact. Your donations can help support ongoing research projects on critical topics. You can also show your support by following Kinsey Institute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for supporting Sex Science. Okay, Hallie, you recently wrote an article for BuzzFeed about women who buy male sex dolls. Now, when people think about sex dolls, they tend to imagine big busted female dolls aimed at a male audience. But male sex dolls are certainly on the market too, and there's this small but growing number of women who are buying them. Now, sex dolls for women are not a new thing. They've been around since at least the 1970s, and you mentioned in your article that you found a sex toy catalog advertising Big John as the perfect male companion. So let's start with the history of male sex dolls. What do we know about them? Yeah, and so interestingly, Big John was from the Kinsey Institute. I first found that at the Kinsey Institute, which was awesome. So what we know about male sex dolls in the history is like very little. We know way more about the history of female sex dolls because they're way more common. 
But commercial sex dolls have existed since the 19th century. They were usually made of rubber and they would fill, you'd fill them with warm milk to give them a more realistic feel like a human body. Gross also like, but so I talked to like an ex, a sex doll expert for my story. And she said she would hear about male sex dolls mentioned in the 19th century. Um, but she never saw physical evidence of them. And there was like, this is obviously not a true story. A woman who got impregnated by a male sex doll. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's not true. Although you see this kind of stuff in, in sex doll history. Like you see, I've he- heard all these rumors that men have gotten STDs from sex dolls, all sorts of things. Um, there was also another story about women getting wax, sex dolls made for them. So, but the first ones we really see uh, that I've actually seen evidence and the evidence is that, so again, you can advertise stuff and never really make it, but is the Big John. And he was marketed to men and women and, and, you know, it was marketed like he's always ready. He's always willing to have sex with you. And the ad for Big John was, it was a real person in the ad. So he's got slick back hair. He looks hot. He's got a big dick, all this stuff. But really you're getting this like inflatable, like ball basically with a dick. Like it didn't actually look like that. Um, but the advertising is kind of fascinating. But yeah, so that's the earliest history. It's so interesting when you sort of think about the evolution of these sex dolls. Like I can't imagine <laughs> these dolls that you have to fill with warm milk and then ooh, like the cleanup associated with ooh. that. I mean, oh boy, we've come a long way. And, you know, certainly you've seen variations. There've been the inflatable ones. And then you've got the ones today that are much more lifelike and realistic in a lot of ways. So all sex dolls have kind of been through this big evolution. So what do we know about how many male sex dolls are being sold today and how many women have ever used one. So is there any good data out there on prevalence and also in terms of cost? Like what does it cost to buy a sex doll? Yeah. So the data on prevalence like just isn't there, which is unfortunate, except from talking to doll manufacturers. So I I talked to them for this article and they would say like between 10 to 25% of the people who bought their dolls were women. So it's much lower. And by the way, that was not just male dolls. That was female dolls as well. Like some surveys show like 8 to 20% of women said they'd be interested in trying them. But there's a big problem. So first off, the cost. You bring that up. So just a little bit more of the history. The, for after we had the like inflatable dolls, we have these silicone rubber dolls in the early, well, in the 1990s. Um, and they were female dolls only. So it's like always male dolls come later. So you have this female dolls, they're super heavy. And this is real doll, like the most famous doll company around. They had foam cores and metal skeletons. So you can think about all that. It's going to weigh a lot. Um, and so they would weigh like 75 pounds. Like that, and that doesn't, may not seem like a lot, but think about like my dog weighs who's sitting behind me. She, well, I was going to lie about her weight. She doesn't care. She weighs like 30. 38 pounds. Oh, Lulu. Yeah, but think about like carrying hers a lot, but carrying 75 pounds is huge. So you had your first silicone male doll in 2002 about with real doll. That thing cost about 5,000 bucks. 
That's a lot of money. And that's 20 years ago. Okay. And then you have a bunch of other companies making them. And that's if you didn't get it modified. If you got the thing modified, it could cost $10,000. That's a lot of money that's prohibitively expensive. Still today, a lot of real dolls cost that much. They started making thermoplastic elastomer dolls, TPE dolls, which are lighter weight. And those cost a little under $2,000. But still, that's a much bigger investment than you can even get like one of the top of the line dildos, like best dildo around for like a hundred bucks, you know? I mean, so that's a lot, lot more money. I mean, that's like computer. That's like buying a new iMac or something or MacBook. Like that's a lot. It's a big investment. Yeah. So the cost can be enormous. And that's probably a big part of the reason why prevalence and, and usage of sex dolls is low is just because not everyone can afford that. And especially if you can get a cheaper sex toy that does a lot of the same sorts of things that a sex doll might do, that's going to be a more financially feasible alternative for most people. Now, let's talk about the dolls themselves in a little more detail. So if you look at female sex dolls, they obviously come in a lot of different varieties, but for the most part, they kind of seem to embody the cultural ideal of the female form, you know, with a smaller waist and big breasts. So for male dolls, do they tend to mimic that cultural ideal for the male body in terms of like being muscular and having a six pack and a large penis? Like, what have you seen in terms of variability and appearance of male sex dolls? Yes, it's the male ideal as well, but in a kind of weird way. So they have like eight packs. They have usually big penises, but they also, as you know, a bunch of people commented on the article, I know you're not supposed to read the comments, said they look like they had breasts. So it's like, I was wondering, did they just like kind of adapt a female sex doll thing? But it was like these huge packs. So you don't have many like bare male sex dolls or dad bots. So it was like this kind of ideal. And a lot of the women who I talked to who own sex dolls criticize them for being very twinkish and very young. It, like hairless and some of them look like teenagers. Um, you didn't have a lot of them looking like uh, grown men. So it's interesting thinking back to our earlier discussion about gigolos and how they're pretty variable in terms of their appearance. And you might have gigolos with a dad bod who might be older. They might not fit that sort of cultural ideal, you know, in terms of what an attractive man looks like. But then when you look at sex dolls, they tend to be more in this conforming to the cultural ideal with respect to their physique. And I think that that's probably because with gigolos and sex dolls, for the most part, you're probably purchasing two very different experiences because with the gigolo, you're getting more of that emotional component. And with the sex doll, it might be more about the pure physical gratification element of it. So what do you think about that idea? And are the women who are buying male sex dolls, are they just looking for sex or are they looking for something else? You're right. Like I think manufacturers think that people are just using them for sexual gratification. And that's why they have this kind of idealized body. I don't think that's fair because that's not what female or male owners of sex dolls are doing. Like they're treating them as they consider them like partners and they have emotional relationships with them. So I think they would. And that's why there's this whole industry of not industry, like all the users are modifying them and talking about their modifications in the sex doll forums. So I do think that's what manufacturers think they're using them for, but they're not actually. So sex dolls and people's reasons for buying them, just like 
when it comes to buying sex can be many and varied. And so sexual stimulation might be part of it. But as you mentioned, they might also be treating this as sort of a companion of sorts. And some people report feeling this emotional connection to their sex doll, right? And you talked in your article about some people who cuddle and snuggle with their sex doll and some who even take their doll out in public places with them. So the attachment often runs much deeper than just sex. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? No, absolutely. So the women who bought sex dolls, and this was like all the women I talked to and in the forums, a lot of them were doing it. They're not just like, I want to fuck a hot looking doll, a guy or whatever. It was, they had specific needs. So one of the women, her husband got in a car accident was disabled, couldn't get erections, all these things, and she didn't want to get a divorce. Her mother suggested she get a toy boy, and she's like, no. And when she said she was getting a sex doll instead, her mother was like, that's horrible. Like, you should cheat on your husband instead, which is crazy. It just shows the stigma. There's such large stigma. So so that was a reason. The other woman I talked about in there, her it was the worst story. Her daughter died in front of her, got hit by a truck six-year-old. And after that, she and her husband wasn't emotionally available for her. It was such a big tragedy. She started getting these dolls and then she would use them to get out of aggression. Then she also sometimes had sex with them. Then she decided she didn't want to, but then she really got into the doll community. And another woman I spoke to, it was like, she had had all these traumatic, shitty relationships with the guys. She's like, I choose the worst men. I know it. My daughter knows it. We all know it why don't I just get a doll instead? They can't, you know, abuse me. They can't yell at me. They can't do all these things because they're a doll. And that woman was great because she was using her own hair on the dolls to put on the dolls and make, and she was like so annoyed. She wanted them, she was in her 50s. She wanted them to look like they are in their 50s. So she's making like these gray hair wigs. She's incredible. So they had many different reasons to buy them, but they weren't like purely sexual. That's similar to male owners as well. If you just want to get off, buy a flashlight. It's much, much cheaper. Or buy a vibrator, buy a Hitachi. Yeah. <laughs> so among women who own male sex dolls, are they satisfied with their purchases? So in other words, did these women you talked to say that the dolls were meeting their needs or were they unfulfilled in some way? You know, I know as with any sex toy, no matter how expensive or elaborate it is, experiences are mixed. But what do we know about customer satisfaction? Yeah. So experiences are mixed is pretty clear way of describing this. So I would say about customer satisfaction, like, as I said, most of the women are modifying their dolls. A lot of the men are as well. They were the biggest critics of these dolls. They were coping with the dolls the best they could. First off, these dolls weigh up to 125 pounds. So every woman I spoke to was like, the manufacturers need to get the weight down. They are so heavy. They had like wheelchairs to wheel them around the house. They had to wear back braces to carry them, some of them. And this is ridiculous. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I know I mentioned this earlier, but the extent of this being a problem and a barrier to ownership, it's the barrier. I mean, some of the sex doll companies, Real Doll was like, I will have a female customer on the line and they're ready to buy and spend $5,000. I tell them how much it weighs, they say, forget it. So their experiences were challenging with that. The sides that were positive were like, some of them slept in bed with their dolls. They loved having that human-like companion next to me. 
next to me. Well, I wanted to, I can't afford it. Next to them, they liked having it. They would cuddle. They found, you know, I mean, the woman who took it out in public uh, to visit her daughter's grave. Um, another one took it, her doll out to an art show because she had social anxiety. They felt this emotional connection. They served a really good purpose in that sense. For the women I spoke to, the sexual aspects weren't great with the dolls. And that, I believe, is because a lot of these were not designed for women. Like, the pe- like there's no clitoral stimulator. The penises didn't even vibrate. Um, they had like anal openings, like, which is fine. But like, there wasn't anything for women. Like if I design a sex doll for women, the mouth would vibrate or duh. Like, you know, like there wasn't anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of considerations when it comes to making a sex doll that's going to be optimized for your sexual preferences and and experiences. So it's interesting to me that they haven't necessarily all been optimized in that way. But regardless of the gender of the purchaser, sex dolls are often stigmatized. You know, they're often treated as a joke on social media and in the popular media, but not necessarily in the same way that sex toys like vibrators and dildos are, which I think are increasingly becoming normalized. And one of the women that you spoke to made this point very clearly when she said, Why is it normal to have disembodied genitalia, but strange to have an actual synthetic replica of a human body that's anatomically correct? So why do you think there's so much stigma against sex dolls? Yeah, I thought what she said was brilliant. And, you know, you would think it'd be the opposite, like a disembodied penis would be like, "Uh oh, you're a serial killer. Like you get off on that (laughs) as opposed to like a doll where you're like, oh, that's normal. Okay, so first off, like, I'll talk about the stigma in general, which is it's a humanoid form, okay? It's creepy to a lot of people. It's like the uncanny valley effect where it looks very close to a human, but not close enough, and so it freaks people out. There's this innate fear of it. I think it's also, like, so there's this idea that, like, oh, if you masturbate a lot, like, you know, and you're single while you can't find a partner. And then if you're actually like single and you masturbate a lot with like a doll that looks like a partner, like you're such a social outcast. So I think there's that kind of stigma. But with women, there's the fear. I swear to God, there was this um, headline. It was like sex robots with bionic penises are going to take over the world. Like watch out men. Okay. And that encapsulates to me, like there's always been this male fear of sex toys that they're going to be replaced by dildo. Okay. That's ridiculous. No one, no men are going to be replaced by dildos or vibrators. But I get the fear because in the historical record, there are women who are like, I masturbated with vibrator, had my first orgasm and divorced my husband of 20 years. So there is evidence that that has happened. But like to see this like idealized man form with a big penis on it, I mean, that's like terrifying. Like, so it's more stigmatized for women, I think partly for that reason. Also because women are supposed to be alluring and attract men and all the stuff. And if they can't, they buy doll, like it's assumed they can't. But I mean, for both genders, it's, There's something creepy about having a humanoid form that you keep in your closet. Yeah. And, you know, my thoughts line up with that in terms of why that stigma exists. And I think you're so right that like a big part of it is if you have a sex doll, other people are going to look at that and make a judgment about you and say, what is wrong with you? Why can't you find an actual human partner? And so it sort of becomes that reflection on the way people evaluate the other individual's worth, essentially. 
Now, after reading your article, I couldn't help but think back to a recent podcast I recorded on the growing number of men who want to have sexual and romantic relationships but are unable to find them, so the incels. And the heterosexual mating market has shifted in a way that you have this very large number of women who are competing for a small number of socially desirable men. And a lot of these women won't be able to find a partner who meets their standards. So they might choose to remain single rather than compromise and enter a relationship that doesn't meet their ideals. And for some of them, a sex doll might be a preferable alternative as a way of meeting their sexual needs, especially as the technology improves further. So do you think sex dolls will become increasingly common and popular among women, or do you think they're going to kind of remain a niche interest? I would love for sex dolls for women to become more popular. And one of the articles, academic articles I read, it said that. It was like, with all the rise in widows and single women, we're going to see all these sex dolls. But when I talked to like experts in robotics and sex robots and all this stuff, they said the way it's been so far has been sort of a fetish and niche thing. Because, and partly that's the technology, because they are kind of like, they're not good, they're heavy, they're required investment, they're not something, you can't go to Walgreens and buy a sex doll, you can buy a dildo though now, or a vibrator, and there's that stigma. So I think for us to break through the stigma, for it ever to become kind of like a normal thing, the weight would have to come down, the price would have to come down, we'd have to see more positive portrayals in the media of it, just like what's happening with sex toys. Now with sex dolls, you are seeing sex dolls for men, a little bit more positive portrayals, like in Made for Love, Ray Romano, the main character's father, who his wife has died of cancer. He's got two sex dolls um, that have, you know, at first the daughter's like, ah, you're horrible. Then she realizes they help him. So if we see portrayals like that for women, I think some of the stigma could go away. But some of the experts like Kate Devlin I talked to, she said, you know, sex tech for women, it might not end up being a humanoid form. There could be other things and it's just not a humanoid form. I would love for little like elfin creatures or, you know, something fun like that. You know, this has me thinking about some of my research on sexual fantasies and how women are much more likely than men to have had a fantasy about a vague, faceless person. And the specific (laughs) person or individual in the fantasy is actually less important on average to women than it is to men, which kind of makes me wonder about whether that has any implications for the appeal of sex dolls, because it is this specific person and it's going to be the same person every time. And so, yeah, I don't know. I guess it kind of depends on whether you are looking for or feel that emotional attachment to your doll and what purpose is this doll serving in your sex life and in your intimate life. I don't know. It's one of those, I think, sort of untapped areas in terms of the research. You know, there's almost no work out there on what are the effects of sex dolls. You know, so much of it is just anecdotal reports. And I'm thinking about, you know, the limited work that's been done looking at men's use of sex dolls. And you've got some people who argue that sex dolls are this inherently bad thing because they're going to lead men to treat women poorly, right? And that they're going to become this vehicle for abuse or for perpetuating real world abuse. And, you know, it's one of those things where we honestly really don't know what the effects are because they haven't really been thoroughly studied. But you have a lot of people who seem to have this fear of sex dolls that it's going to replace human connection. It's going to lead us to treat each other negatively. It's going to increase sexual assault. So, you know, it's a a fascinating area, but I think all of that further contributes to a lot of the stigma in this area. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. And what, you know, I mean, there's this campaign against sex robots, the feminist campaign against sex robots saying like these humanoid figures would cause men to rape people. And you're right, like there's some research, but there isn't research that has shown that. But there is this fear that like it's an outlet for sexual assault and stuff like that. And and I think a lot of that just comes from this innate looking at them and being like, ah, but yeah, I mean, th- there needs to be more research in it. And there's the whole child sex dolls thing, which is a whole nother thing, which some of the women said, you know, the dolls they were getting when they ordered them looked kind of like children to them and they were freaked out. Um, but the faceless thing that kind of explains why women are modifying these looks, you know, mm-hmm. like they wanted different faces or the women I talked to had multiple dolls. They had like five different dolls that they were rotating. So this, this kind of fits with your research, which is really interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this has me thinking about so many different things, but I'm also thinking about some articles I've read where people talk about the issue of consent with sex dolls and sex robots. And, you know, at what point when you start adding in some amount of artificial intelligence, do you have to address that issue of consent in the world of sex dolls and robots? And I think that's going to be an unresolved question for a long time, but it's fascinating nonetheless. Now, my last question for you is, how did this deep dive into the world of women who buy sex dolls change your perspective? What are the biggest things that you've taken away from all of this? Yeah, I mean, it changed my perspective, like, in a lot of ways. One, like, I realized that, like, sex dolls, and it's kind of the same thing I found out with other sex dolls, like, they can have whatever meaning a woman needs them to have. They can represent comfort for the loss of a child. They can represent an adjunct to a happy relationship with a husband. They can represent a substitute for a relationship with a human. They can represent all these different things. And because of that, they are not something we need to fear. They are something that is, as one woman said, I'm more stigmatized for owning this sex doll than I would be if if I were dealing with my child's death through drugs or alcohol. That's so fucked up because drugs or alcohol, like I have a lot of relatives who have addiction, are so dangerous. I mean, and she said, this is harmless. This thing is harmless. It's not hurting anyone. It might be freaking people out, but who cares? So, you know, what I came away from it is like, we need to, just like we are destigmatizing dildos and vibrators, we need to destigmatize sex dolls and sex robots for women because they're serving purpose. They're changing people's lives. They're helping people. And it doesn't matter if you personally are like horrified by them. Who cares? This is helping someone. As humans, we need to have compassion for people who are doing something that's different, that weirds us out. Um, and so that's kind of what I took away from it. The other thing that's important is manufacturers are not listening to women. Um, they're continuing to make dolls for men. They need to, even when in the doll forum, these women were like, hey, like someone was like, manufacturer here. They're like, hey, well, we're women owners. Do this, do that. And they said, sure, we'll do it. And then they didn't. Okay, so we need to listen. And the, one of the manufacturers who was a woman was listening, listen to women, see what they need. I mean, it's just so basic for sex dolls and create something that they would like, because then there will be, you know, more women who will buy them. 
listen to the women. That is an important message in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Hallie. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and get a copy of your book? Yeah, so uh, they can go to my website, hallielieberman.com. I write a lot for BuzzFeed News. Look for me on there. I'm on Twitter and Instagram with my name. So I was the first person to get my name. So I I was happy about that. And um, if anybody has personal experiences with sex dolls and what, please, you know, always reach out to me. I love hearing people's stories. And you can get Hallie's book, Buzz, pretty much anywhere books are sold. And it is a fascinating look at the history of sex toys. Thank you again for your time. Also, thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology, at sexandpsychology.com, or subscribe on your favorite platform, where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. 